Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast, where we believe in going far by going together. Hey everyone, Brian Pape here, and on this episode of the Empowerful Podcast, I sit down with my good friend Steve Meineke, the man, the myth, the legend. Steve has led a number of brands pioneering the outdoor industry, including Keen Shoes, Specialized Bicycles, and Nordica. He also sits on the board of Camber Outdoors as their president. His wide breadth of knowledge and expertise is now welcomed at Mir as a shareholder and board member. Steve is not only my guide and mentor, he is also a good friend. With much gratitude, I introduce Steve to the Mir and Powerful podcast. Listen in on how Steve's career and character has built the foundation to empower brands, the outdoor industry, and every individual in his life. Please enjoy. Steve, welcome to the Empowerful Podcast. It's good to have you uh, from sunny Sun Valley all the way into uh, sunny Seattle. We're, it's sunny today. Sunnier. <laughs> um, Steve Meineke is uh, a bit of a legend in the outdoor industry. You have been CEO and president of some incredible brands from Specialized to Solomon to Keen to, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're now a board member at Outdoor Research, Camber Outdoors, Mir, True Work, Lodge, the rap sheet is pretty incredible, Steve. Um, and we're just so honored to have you on our board and and just part of the the mirror journey. So thanks for all the work that you've done um, in the outdoor world, but also just for for your personal impact on on Mir. So it's good to have you on the show. Well, it's great to be here. It's a privilege <laughs> to be here with Mir and with you, Brian, as yeah. always. Um, I'd love for um, us to kind of dig in. There's there's so much to cover, and um, I'm just fascinated by your story and and. And the people you've worked for are are pretty incredible. Um, a lot of a lot of the folks who own some of the brands you've worked for uh, have have filtered through uh, leaders pretty quickly. And you have this legacy of being there for a long time, turning companies around, doing really great work. Um, but I'd love to I'd love to start off on on how we actually met because um, I'm fascinated by how that happened. And, and for our, for our listeners, we, uh, at outdoor retailer, it's a, it's the biggest outdoor show in North America. And Steve's the type of guy who will just kind of go booth to booth, checking out brands, whatever. And we had done some pint cups for Keen at the time. And I'll never forget, uh, you walked into our booth and actually I think Julie, your wife was there and you were just kind of checking out the product. And, and I personally knew who you were, but I hadn't made the full connection and you were in the booth and I just asked if, you know, I could help you with anything. And you were kind of just checking out, tell me the brand story. And I tell you about Mir and whatnot. And we do some pint cups with you. And I go, what do you do? You go, oh, I work at Keen. And I go, oh, what do you do at Keen? And you're like, well, I'm the president, you know, I'm like, oh, wow. All right, man, this is, this is great. And then you handed me a Keen card. And I got a uh, free pair of shoes. Uh, it wasn't like a half That's off right. card. It was a free pair of Keen shoes, sure. which I thought was brilliant. Um, and I do that now because of you. Um, but I'll never, I'll never forget. And I, it's funny because we were just at flagship and we had a new employee. And he just asked me. He goes, "Oh, do you work over at HQ?" And I said, "I do." You know. And he goes, "Oh, what do you do?" And I go, oh, "I do a bit of everything. You know, some product design, some finance stuff." And he goes, "Oh, cool. How long have you been there?" And I was like, "Well, I've been there from the start." And he kind of got this look on his face. He's like. Oh, are you the founder? And I was like, I am. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, No, it's totally fine. But I love that humility, and I'll never forget that person, that 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 time when we first met. That it wasn't, I'm this, you know, I'm not the president of, I'm not the president of Keen. You were just, yeah, do some stuff at, at Keen. And so anyway, I, I don't know if you remember that. I remember it clearly. You know, when when you meet a founder, you can usually, first time, always in awe <laughs> because someone like you had to come up with a a reason for being and a concept to get in and get going. And it took, you know, real courage. I don't know if I'd call it executive courage when you're that young, <laughs> but you certainly have executive courage now and today. But uh, 
you know, it's funny how brand emergence and brand design, if the two of them are truly innovative, uh, then you got to go, well, where did this come from, right? So that's why, you know, my digging around for in my entire life, I think, in this, um, I don't know if I, I, in this space, right? The space of brands that are passion brands that come from um, outdoor, outdoor innovation. Yep. Uh, not just be top of the mountain, but just something that is really going to be, when you put it in your hand, it means something, or you put it on your foot, or you put it on your head, or you wear the jacket. Um, with me, or I remember putting after I walked in and I put the tumbler in my hand and I went right to the front and I said, who designed this? Right. And <laughs> that's, that's right. when we got talking. And so that's a special brand moment. And that's, I think the type of moments that when I look back and think about the owner founders I worked with. There was a bunch of those brand moments, but it's always inspiring to see the new brand moment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so that's how we met, and it was really fantastic. And I do think too that you know not long after we were on a long bike ride together. We which were. Is, yeah. So many people. So for for uh, all the listeners out there, it was uh, I want to say this was like 2015 when we first met, 2015, 2016. And it was, I believe it was, it was not this past summer of 2018, but the summer of 2017, we were we were kind of ready to assemble our actual fiduciary board and kind of formalize that. And and I'd, I'd, I'd done a ton of reading, ton of just gleaning from you know people who've already started companies and kind of done that whole thing of just, how do you select really good board members? And it was, you know, part of it was, what do you want out of them? Do they have the time, capacity? Can they actually add value back and, and yada, yada, and and every, your name kept coming up in, in the outdoor industry of, you know, Audrey had mentioned you and, uh, you know, some others, I think, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, Jerry at REI had mentioned you and all these touch points kept happening. And I was like, I gotta get to know Steve. And so I, I think I dug up your business card, um, and I think I just, I was looking back at emails before we hit record and, and it, um, I think it was over text message because I couldn't find any emails. Sure. But I think I just called you and I was like, Steve, I, I want to get to know you. And you said, come on out to Sun Valley. And there was an event with Tugboat with Dave Wharton and I flew out to Sun Valley and, and uh, we just got to know each other on the bike. Yeah. <clears throat> Not a better place to get to know one another, right? When you're riding bikes side by side for a couple hours and then I don't know how long we spent in the local Starbucks. That's right. Yeah. Then we went into marathon, you know, stage two, but you know, it's, uh, you know, for, for me, that was the time of getting to know the, um, who you were and your character yeah. and also to know the purpose and hear it firsthand. Cause I'd read about the purpose and having a, a you know, that was native to your founding of the brand mirror. And so I heard it all firsthand. And I, you know, for someone like me, I need to hear the whole story. And then I went home and Julie was intrigued, my wife, and said, tell me how it went. And we talked for a long time after that session. Yeah. And then we, so, and then we grabbed lunch at, uh, what's that little German? The dead? Conditorei. Yeah, the Conditorei. Yeah, yeah we yeah. had lunch there and Sienna had just been born and she was three months old or whatever. Yep. And yeah, so we all, all met there and had lunch. And yeah, that was cool. That was a special moment. I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, <clears throat> I'd, love, I'd love to kind of, dig into your career you i mean you've had a, a storied storied career um but the thing that i love is it, it came from humble beginnings you were in the midwest you grew up outside of minnesota is that right in minneapolis in minneapolis um and it, it pretty quickly your, your uh your your journey started with skiing is that right it, it was and um i was uh i skied winters from colorado based in aspen 
and I worked hard in a in the what I thought was the best ski shop in town, Hoygards in Minneapolis. And I was fortunate that I had mentors and role models that could, when I grad, finally got through my five and a half year <laughs> study program uh, in um, at the University of Minnesota, I was recruited. I'd say drafted, you know, into uh, Boulder, Colorado to head ski and tennis. It was a start, but the real moment of um, incredible learning was at at the um, an appointment by um, Bob Hall, the president of Solomon North America, and um, and then aligning with. George Solomon, right there at his son's side, Bernard Solomon and Pascal Amar, to follow the owner, founder, through all the different product divisions, and then build out what was the highest growth window of time ever in Solomon's history, about 1983 through 87. That was cutting the teeth. Yeah. And really, really fortunate for an ordinary Minnesota Buck Hill skier <laughs> to... Um, River Valley was it? A, was it actual hill or was it a river valley? It's an actual hill. It's an actual hill. Okay. Yeah, it's an actual <laughs> hill where this young girl Lindsay Vaughn grew up until about <laughs> age thirteen as well. We could ski until ten at night, but it was, you know, it's built a lot of great skiers and there's great coaching there. And um, so I, but you know, skiing was the passion. It was the action sports breakout sport before everything else hit as big as it did, like surf, skate and uh, BMX and everything. So that was um, really intriguing for me. So from from Solomon, you went, uh, was, is that what took you over to Italy or was that was that Nordica? That was Nordica. Okay. What took me to Italy first though was um, we at Solomon um, splintered out and we were the incubator team to take a, a small brand at the time, Varney France from Manhattan Beach, California a uh, logo emerged, the red, white, and blue Circle V yeah. Varney logo, and all of a sudden we had a runaway runaway freight train <laughs> of high growth in the late 80s. And that's where we began sourcing product from Godori, Italy, uh, and from France, Oinox, France, uh, for the sunglasses. And that was a really another really high-speed learning immersion uh, that was super exciting that then led to the Nordica time uh, which was really, um, you know, Italian-owned, driven. And so, uh, you know, all of us who have been to Montebelluna, Italy, Treviso region, have immediately fallen in love and wanted to move there and um, probably spent about 100 days a year in northern Italy. But it was uh, a microcosm of um, design, development, industrious, creative people that just is it, it very... Um, inspiring and addicting that we also have on the West Coast <laughs> of the United States, yeah. from Seattle, from Portland, from uh, LA, from you know South beaches all the way to San Diego that really has been like for, for this Seattle-based brand. It, it is a West Coast phenomena that I think is even far more um, inspirational to me. So I consider the West Coast, my bias is the West Coast and specifically Seattle. Yeah. For Mir was the perfect founding place. Yeah, it was I mean it's it's come together um I'd say quite quite nicely. You know, it's it's never it's never uh 
you know, perfect run. There's a lot of bumps along the road, <laughs> but it's been a good ride on the West Coast. Um, when you, I mean, the thing that fascinates me is that it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems as though a lot of people have come and selected you, uh, you know, your mentor into Solomon and then Nordica and Varney and even Specialize, you were, you were sought out. Why, what do you think it was that, that really attracted people to want to have you come and work with their and lead their organizations? I, I don't think there's <clears throat> anything special about what I represented. And, uh, but there were people that were willing to take a risk, right? So it's, it was funny to go from being the ski guy to being the sunglass guy. And then back to ski and some footwear with Oslo and um, other things we did like acquiring rollerblade when I was at Nordica. All of a sudden, you know, to have, um, and I'm, I'm very uh, grateful to Mike Senior that specialized to say, I think this Meineke, the ski guy, might know some things that we wanna be able to do in the bike business. So there's a ski guy again showing up in the bike business and um, Thanks to Mike, he he apprenticed me, and uh, and I'll never forget it. And um, and these owner founders once again always inspired me. So I was the one to try to make sure I could serve the vision of the owner founder. Maybe that's what I was um, really learning how to do at Solomon, and then got you know kept doing it again and again and again, and um, was just lucky to get introduced to people that. We found a way to know and trust one another to take the leap of faith, so to speak, <laughs> both sides, right? Yeah. Because I, in each case, you know, I was moving physically from one place to another place. Yeah. And I was fortunate that Julie Meineke was along <laughs> for the uh, the ride. It's quite nomadic, but it was what I was wired to do. Yeah, yeah. How did you um, how did you navigate that? Because you you have a daughter, Nisa, and she you traveled around the world. Um, you know, Julie would often come with you as well. And you, you know, you you went from the Midwest and down to Manhattan Beach and uh, up to Monterey and, and all over. And it's um, but you, you you feel you seem so grounded, even though you've kind of lived all over the place. Yeah, I think um, very specifically regarding family, home is where you make it. Mm. And um, home where you make it, then you make it with relationships wherever you're going. And we're, you know, today we're we're blessed by having relationships of people in all these great places. And now we're fortunate we can actually, um, how do I say it, pay it forward or whatever, bring those people back together where we live in the Wood River Valley of Idaho which um, Julie and I just, along with Nisa and friends and friends of friends and the Mir team, <laughs> yeah. um, we are just, uh, we feel that hospitality is um, one of the rewards of all the years. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, our place, Mine House, Dine House, will, you know, <laughs> almost every other weekend um, is has become a good homing uh, landing pad for some really great experiences but also strategic sessions for Mir, uh, and the things that are really most exciting for me to be involved with with you, Brian. Yeah, it, I mean we've had some incredible sessions there, you know, with uh, a lot of Japanese whiskey and, and fireplaces. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it always helps. I mean, you're 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 in Julie's hospitality is is uh, second to none, and and it's something that Beck and I talk about. Uh, quite a bit of aspiring to to share our home and the things that we've been able to to do over the years with others, um, you know, who are also starting off their journey. 
So it's it's an inspiration to watch. Well, you do for it too. an Idaho guy yeah, like you, yeah. <laughs> um, a Seattle guy. I mean, and for you and Becca, um, and for your the team and your kids, you you know, that's that's part of what I think is the rewarding part of working with Mir, is that um, there's a special time of emergence and high growth that can also have amazingly in-depth lifelong relationships built and i think that's what i love seeing here at mirror yeah among you the team that you're building uh and to have kids and dogs and you know <laughs> the whole crew along for the ride is i think that's the best way to live and work in business yeah it is you know it's we were we were chatting as, as our gym is across the street and we were chatting about how uh, the, the trainer was asking Beck and I work out together and, and they were asking us if we take our kids with us. And, you know, quite often we do. And one of my favorite memories is going to new Belgium brewing. And we had our meeting at a picnic table at the brewery. The buyer and I are sitting down and Beck is there and Sienna's there. And my best friend Ryan is there and they're kind of hanging out and I'm having the conversation with the buyer. We're talking about, you know, doing this deal and growlers and cups and all the whole thing. And the family was there and it was fine. And my, my, my best friend Ryan was kind of like, that's kind of wild that you can just have these business meetings with your family there. And, um, long story short, I, I don't, know if i wanted to be doing business with people who who don't want my family there. yeah i mean there's a time and a place you know where you sure. don't need a screaming toddler but it's the outdoor and active lifestyles is a special special industry where you know family is is somewhat accepted um it, it, it is but there and i'll say this there's this time when owner founder engagement um makes that really special and as you grow and get bigger hanging on to that there are a few companies that still do that as they get bigger and that would be my hope for you brian with mirror that that's the culture that you cultivate that you lead that you role model that you mentor you and becca yeah uh, for a lot of people and it's you'll touch a lot more lives that way for the rest of their their time in their career but also how they look at um you know business and giving of time in the business and giving back, those aren't exclusive things. Those are part of the culture of Mir. Totally. And we're see so we see it at Mir, we embody it. It's part of our founding story. What would you what would you say as far as the industry? It seems as though there's been a shift in that, you know, REI has always been a co-op, but Jerry really bringing it physically back onto the sign and also kind of that spirit within the industry, but we're seeing a lot more. I mean, what, what's your observation in the outdoor or just kind of the, the CPG space of this, this desire to not just do something, but to do something better for good, inclusivity, you know, all these things. What's, what are you seeing out there? There's not an industry like this. And I think that, you know, the, the legs under the table, so to speak, of um, uniqueness of outdoor industry is the Conservation Alliance which is protecting our public lands. And we're all, you know, fiercely engaged in that uh, with a passion. And then I also believe um, there's a giving requirement there. Uh, but the most important component of our industry is the people. So the people, uh, the, the inclusion and diversity of where we're gonna go next with this is really important. That's what Camber Outdoors serves a purpose there. And I, I'm very engaged and spend a lot of time with a lot of people on that, um, in that group and on that board as we also pivot to diversity, equity, and inclusion for all um, from the backcountry to the boardroom. 
And I think that um, there are role model companies that I trust will help make a better world for other companies in the outdoor industry um, and also for other industries. I think that this is a this is actually um, this re this is an incredible privilege and responsibility that Brian you have as a CEO, owner, and founder, and I can see that living uh, a, a living example here. Uh, and it's always learning about how that can help build um, build that into your the fabric embedded in your fabric, but also how that can deliver business results. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're all commercial yeah. animals. We're go-to-market yep. commercial animals. And I think that if you can combine those two, and then the component of how much you can actually purpose and give back, which was native from the beginning. Everyone's trying to move that way, but few are really, I don't think there's enough consistency of that and I think there needs to be more of that. And I do think Mir is a role model company in that regard. Thank you. Yeah, it's it, and it's not easy. I mean, writing some of those checks when you also have to buy inventory is tough. You know, it is tough. We just we just cut a forty thousand dollar check to uh, this group in Rwanda, the Kula Project, and it's going to be it's going to be an unbelievable um, uh, build out of this women's center over there. And I, we can't wait. We're we're head over in September to go uh, visit it and document it and whatnot. And it's it's hard when at the same time you also need to buy inventory for you know, Patagonia or you know, whatever customer it is. And so sure. it's not easy, but it's worth it. And I think, um, you know, we've, I, I, I consider myself really fortunate to have grown up in a family that embodied generosity because it's, it, generosity is not something you can just decide to do one day. It's, it takes time, it takes practice and it takes habit and routine. And so to see that from my grandparents all the way to my parents of that discipline of always giving um, is so important for how Mir is today. It wasn't just me. It was all the people before me that did it. Um, I interviewed my grandma. She's 97 um, a couple of weeks ago. And, I, and she was talking about, you know, her life and, you know, her experiences and philanthropy and everything. And I, and I asked her, I was like, as we call her Baba. And I go, Baba, where where do you think this came from? Like, where was this? Um, where was the source for you? You know, was it your parents, your grandparents, whatever? And it was, it was kind of crazy. She just goes, you know, I think I was just born with it. Yeah. Wow. At 97. At 97. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big believer that, um, that great, that greatest generation, which, um, is your grandma yeah. happens to be my mom and dad, yeah. my grandparents too. There was, um, I think there's an industry tithe, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, many of us grew up in the world of tithing from a faith base. But I think that if you can combine that thinking into a business, I do think that there's true um, reward in that. And in fact, I think that's a big reason why role model companies like Mir can, can both really partner in a very meaningful way and be a role model, even as a smaller company in the industry and attract a lot of great people that want the same purpose in their life for how they spend their time and work uh, and giving. So. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been able to attract, I mean, some really world-class, not only board members, investors, but also just 
people that work at Mir, the Meerkat team. Um, some people that are just, I mean, you know, firsthand people have called you and said, how did Mir get, you know, their, their new head of sales, Dan Dahl, you know, and, and a huge piece of that is, is who we are at our core. Um, you know, beyond Mir, who, who out there is, is a great example. Um, you know, maybe someone that's been around longer than, than nine years, uh, that you're seeing out there that's just knocking out of the park. I think that in the, um, I think that in the outdoor industry, um, certainly Patagonia, Yvonne Chouinard stands out. And he, he did it in terms of his environmental focus and his, um, his view is, it, it is unmovable, it is dedicated, it's committed, and he's always been like that. Um, I think that um, Keen, made a choice during the tsunami effort whether to spend a million dollars on an ad campaign or bring shoes to kids that needed shoes over as the tsunami victims and survivors and they chose they made the right choice and i think those are um when they be when something like that becomes a founding principle just like you did brian in the very beginning that's um few and far between those are two i can come up with but I do think, you know, in general, there, there's a great trend of all industry players that have uh, and want meaning for their brand to move the same direction. The question is how committed and for how long and how consistent can you be? That's, I think, um, where companies probably move in and out of their ability to prioritize it. And I think... Um, when you have owner founder leadership in place, you can be much more sustainable in that effort than most companies in our space today. So that's what differentiates the few, I think, that are in a way socially native. Definitely, yeah, if you don't have that person carrying the torch at the top and it's just a, it's a director or a VP or somebody and they you know, leave and go somewhere else and if they're the ones carrying it, it may not carry on. Precisely. Totally. Let's, um, I want to touch base on Camber again. So to me, cause I remember chatting with you about this and you, you were, um, you were kind of, I don't know, not struggling, but so Camber is, uh, well at first let's, let's define what Camber is for, for people who don't know who Camber Outdoors is. Uh, Camber Outdoors, um, is the arm of the outdoor industry that began its focus as outdoor industry women's coalition focused on building gender equity in the workplace. And um, a few years back, it was rebranded Camber. And um, what sparked my intrigue and, and commitment and, and pledge to be a CEO president pledging was um, the need for gender equity in the workplace. And having seen how when it becomes more balanced, male, female, how things really start happening. And then the McKinsey studies and others start showing that it actually shows performance and results. Yeah, it's, it's actually better for your It's actually better for the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I do come from, um, I come from Minneapolis, which was, um, and having seen and grown up around EEOC, seen my mother struggle in the workplace uh, seeing how women were beginning to emerge both in uh, Title IX efforts, but then also as they were emerging into the workplace, seeing what that meant and then having a daughter. And I think that it all intrigued me so that when Jerry Stritsky did a keynote 
and I'm sitting with 20 of my, you know, dear working colleagues of Keen, and including my daughter Nisa at my side, there was no getting around it. I was going to pledge. Well, all of a sudden now I'm being asked as this, <laughs> um, you know, as a guy, um, you know, an, an aging baby boomer um, male to join the board by, frankly, um, people way more talented than me. They happened to all be female and it was impossible to say no, right? So, but I do think the pivot to uh, DEI, diversity, inclusion, and equity, equity for all now, the pivot that was made going into 2019 is a significantly big and it's it's a um, an inflection point of responsibility for our industry and Camber is the one to carry that and get more in, in tune with it for our entire industry to serve as a resource to the to the great leaders and pledged CEOs as well as their operating people and culture teams to build the culture there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of DEI experts that need to come into the board, into the advice, and into what can be, again, role modeling in our industry, just like the give back, role modeling how we are inviting in the workplace, and, and all, as well integrating with the communities that make that real. And that's going to take time, and there's going to be a lot of learning along the way for everyone. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's this theme of learning is, is something that I love. And I'm always, you know, um, Jerry Stritsky uh, gave me this book, Curious, a couple of years ago and, and just reinforced the importance of learning and learning and reading and consuming. And I've never been a, a, a passionate or, or great reader. And it's something I've, I've kind of forced myself to do. And it's um, it's been a good exercise. And I've read some great books, <laughs> which is a great result. But I've been more of a podcaster, just listen as I you know watch or whatever. And the learning piece is so important um, as we continue to move and, and progress through, you know, the ages, right? Um, how, what was the, what was the process like? So you're on the board, they invite you to become the president of the board for Camber. And you, you were saying, I, I can't be the president of this organization as a, as a aging white male. What, what did the conversations look like, you know, with, with, with your wife, with your daughter, with other leaders? And, and how did you land on accepting that? It was tough. Um, I had I have a very supportive, um, I guess I'd call them sisters in the on the board, and um, when um, Donna Carpenter said there are a few enlightened men, I was <laughs> I was looking around the room <laughs> like looking. who's she talking about? And she's looking at me straight in the eyes, and I thought, wow, if there's that kind of belief um, from from uh, from my, frankly, real partners on the board, um, Susan Viscon and and Deanne Buck and um, several others, and um, and then a, a few other enlightened guys, you know, um, Kent Abersall and Lane and um, and several that came to me. I said, okay, so it it was um, it was a responsibility. And uh, I'm at that time of my life where I'm 50-50. I can put time into something like this or mirror. Uh, but for Canberra Outdoors, I can put the time forth where I wouldn't have been able to do that as a president or CEO of a company. I would not have had the bandwidth. Mm. 
Yeah. And um, but the most important thing now is ushering into the next chapter of Camber with DEI, true expertise, resources, building out best practices, working with partners, working with a great staff, uh, working with a community um, to build this out. The executive committee is fantastic there. There's five great members from the industry. The DEI committee um, led by Reggie Miller, a great new addition to the board and the um, executive committee as well, um, who is an expert in DEI uh, as part of the VF group, 75,000 employees. Wow. And so um, when I see the, those kind of moves and a commitment from Steve Rendell, the CEO of VF um, for inclusion and diversity, that's inspiring. So uh, was it a tough decision? <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, and we're really fortunate that uh, Diana Sung has um, stepped into the role as interim um, executive director, um, accomplishing all kinds of great things as we begin our recruit with a expert in DEI on finding the right um, long-term leader for Camber Outdoors. That's great. So if, if people who are listening work at a company have uh, in the outdoor industry or, or are leading a company, how do they get involved with Camber? It's really easy. As a corporate member, you'd come right into our, usually an introduction directly through the website, but also personalized quickly. And um, Amy Luther is our, who really is our corporate leader on development um, is fantastic. And um, she's typically on a plane meeting with, um, you know, the teams of all these great outdoor industry um, groups um, and along with Diana and uh, several of us on the board typically are at the side of the of the effort to bring on new corporate members. And then as a member, um, really anyone that's in that wants to engage in this and there's thousands that have just go onto the website and sign up and begin the process of the learning and the and the um, and the feed of information and communication, which will now on a broadcast calendar begin to accelerate as we go into the June Outdoor Retailer Show. Perfect. Um, Mir is is a member of Camber, and we've benefited uh, from the from the good work that you all have done, and um, we're on a constant uh, learning cycle. You know, the only constant uh, is change, and so it's uh, continuing to to learn and to be better as a company. So thanks for the good works at. Camber. Yeah, I think that um, Kim Miller at Scarpa captured it right on the, I guess it was February 1st um, on a panel when he said, there's no playbook. We all need a playbook. And, um, and in fact, the, there's very um, few experts in this field. So finding our way there at a time when it's not a question of if it, it was a it was really um, a requirement in our industry, and so it's a big um, it's a big responsibility to move into DEI, and that's I'd say um, one of the most intriguing um, differentiators for our industry that could occur in the next several years. Yeah, that's great. Talking about. Um you know, things of change and leaders. And we, <laughs> we're, we're in an interesting era, aren't we? <laughs> With uh, kind of the macro public eras, you know, in government, um, 
you know, just the things that are being said and tweeted and actions that are happening and from the top down to, uh, I mean, the Me Too movement and, and you know, Hollywood kind of being uh, turned upside down. And w- what are some of the qualities that you most admire in leaders um, from those those humble servants who are kind of behind the scenes who are doing the good work? I view leadership as um, it's a privilege. And um, when, you know, they say everybody wants the title, nobody wants the job <laughs> of president, right? You, you know what I'm talking yep. about, right, Brian? Yep. And I do think that um, it took me a lot longer than I can see it's taken you. It took me until probably my mid 40s to recognize that just the drive to achieve and make, you know, and drive growth and brand relevance and make money and all that, um, it frankly kind of drove me. And then all of a sudden a switch flipped and I realized it was more about um, serving the, and fueling the inspiration and ambitions of a whole team of people that was really the, to me, that was a special sauce that drove any company or drives any company. But to be able to recognize that in a, in a leader who's either the leader in place, um, and there's, there, there's frankly that leader that takes that role, and you could ask Julie, if you do take it seriously, you know, you essentially, the, your family has to support the sacrifice they have to make for you to be able to do that. And I think that that's, um, I think that's very unusual in leadership today. I look for it all the time in a culture that's very self-centric, right? Mm. So um, sometimes you find it, it's inherent in people. Most of the time, I think like for me, it was more learned. And, uh, but I do think that that's, that's, um, that's what I look, look for. Yeah. And that it's, it's, it's hard to find and it's hard to do. I mean, with, um, you know, I have a, a fairly demanding travel schedule and, and yet I love my family and I want to be around them. And there's a, there is a commitment that I, I work longer and I work, uh, maybe not harder, but I, I'm definitely in mirror all day, every day. I don't have time off. Um, and you know, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me for this because I started it. Right. Um, uh, people ask me about what's work life balance and I go, I don't have one. I have one life and it's, it's together, but there is a sacrifice where I'm not always, I'm not always home. Uh, you know, when the kids go down or I'm on, uh, you know, a trip to go meet a customer or to develop something. And there is this incredible sacrifice on, on the, on the family side. Um, and so being able to balance that is really, really hard. And, uh, Dave Wharton at Sun Valley called this just this compression of of time and and resources where you want to be with your family, you want to grow your business, you want to hang out with friends, and you want to do all this stuff. But there is a sacrifice that you have to make in order to lead an organization. Um, and and Beck and I are both learning what that what that means. <laughs> yeah, I think that it also means that um, there are moments you need to take. I I I look back and go, I could have done a heck of a lot better job of those times during the year, because you're gonna remember these almost more than the business, for sure, business milestones, when you can get away from the business. And ideally, it's to shut the, you know, yeah. the uh, the uh, electrical devices <laughs> off and get somewhere where you can really enjoy just, just being, right? And I, I was never that good at this. And I do think there's also something Great, and I look at what REI does with their sabbaticals. Man, to see the transformation of people, 
um, when they've had that seven year, I'm not sure how often they, they it's like 15 and then every five after that or yeah, something like but, that. Yeah. But though, when they go off with their family and they have these amazing experiences and come home, they're like changed. Totally. And so I think that, you know, in the American work, work culture, the, the, the Europeans are far better at it. But that's an area where I would hope that for you and Becca and uh, and your key players that are there and sustain this growth, that there's that chance to go off and make those experiences lifelong memories yeah. while growing the business. Cause, Absolutely. Because you're really, that's, I think, um, that's the essence. And I do think, um, I'm, I'm looking, I think the millennial generation and Gen X, and I'm going to guess Z behind it, is way better at it. Yeah, I would, it'll be interesting to see how people grow up with it. I mean, I think with social media, it's it's been this uh, kind of thief of time in a sense. And I, I ended up deleting my Facebook a little over a year ago, and I haven't regretted it once. And people are like, oh, you're still on Instagram. Facebook owns them. I'm like, I realize that, right? Um, <laughs> and yet Instagram for me is a tool to connect with customers and partners and family. And so it's I'm very practical about how I use it. Uh, but I didn't take much time off even when we vacation. And this year we went to Hawaii and I shut my phone off. I literally shut my phone off and threw it in my bag for eight days. And it was, it was fantastic. And it was one of those things that was a good reminder to, to be, to be present and to just take some time with the family. And, um, you know, but when we do travel, sometimes we take the kids and we're, like I said, we're, you know, down in New Belgium, hanging out with the whole family. And, and that, that to me is where it becomes worth it. That Sienna the other day, she was like, Hey daddy, I want to come to the office with you. And, and Beck was like, Hey Sienna, you can, you can go to the office when you're older, kind of just, you know, whatever. And now she, now she goes, she goes, daddy, I'm going to come to the office when I'm older with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so it's fun to take her around too. Yeah. So I do think that that is, um, critically taking place as a change in the workplace. So, um, and how a CEO or president role models that because that's important. And I do think, you know, one of the criticisms I've had is that everybody, I've had people say, everybody thinks they have to work as hard as you do. Yeah. And I do think that that was um, a blind spot that I had in finding and learning your blind spots. It only took 25 years <laughs> to learn the blind spots, but that that's actually really important. Yeah, I, I, uh, for, all, for all the founders out there listening, I think I was told this once and I thought this was hugely impactful for me because I, why isn't everyone else working as hard as me? Until you're, if you're willing to give as much equity as you have in your business to everybody else, you should never expect them to work as hard as you. And I just, you know, I thought that was really open. You know, if it, it, granted, if somebody's working 20 hours and they're supposed to be full time, you got another issue, right? But if somebody's putting in the good time, 40, 50 hours a week and putting their time in and working hard, you can't expect them to reasonably put in 70 to 80 hours a week. And if they don't have the same equity as you, it's just impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. And I do think that once there's um, a sense of ownership, then, um, and also a sense of being an insurgent <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, like, you know, I love the David and Goliath story, right? And um, even though some of the brands I've worked with, they, they might go, well, that's that was never a David brand. I go, let me tell you some stories <laughs> about when we were David and we were trying to slay Goliath, right? Yeah. And I do think that that um, creates a really a big uh, amount of, let's say, thinking you have to outwork everybody. And you kind of do, but you, it, there's outwork and out hustle. Mm -hmm. Out hustle is doing it hopefully a little smarter. Yeah, and uh, that's where I think a brand like Mirror 
um, if you, with its uniqueness, um, your leadership, the team that you assemble, their feeling and sense of ownership and conviction, not just they're a fan, like my job, but they are like all in. Yeah. That that's a that's a great thing for a brand, and you've got that going here. Uh, that's that's what really intrigues me, and that's what gets me excited every time I come to Seattle to spend time <laughs> with you and Mir. Yeah, we're we're um, it, you, what's ultimately it's 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 so obvious, but for us, we've really refined this. Is that we and actually I think these were your words out of your mouth, um, so the credit is due to you for this. But it was it was grow to give it was kind of this commercial connection between, you know, we want to we want to give money and grant and do all this great stuff, but. And yet we can't do that <clears throat> if we're not growing. And so there's this intrinsic motivation for us that our competitors may or may not have. They might want to make a ton of money for themselves. Great. That's awesome. Commercial. Cool. But for us, we want to be commercial and grow so that we can give more uh, than we have the year before. And, and for the people in here, that's incredibly inspiring to work towards. And so the more that we can kind of bring that to the forefront of all of our meerkats, it's super important. It is. I can see it and hear it from your people. And um, it was interesting. It it wouldn't be necessary to survey your whole team because they would essentially nine out of ten of them would say, "Here's the reasons I work for Mir, right?" Um, and it, the the number one reason is going to be the grow to give, and so many different words or uh, nuances. And it was interesting while at Keen when we surveyed our, you know, five hundred employees. Nine out of 10 of them, the main and most important reason they chose first was that reason, is that we had a give back uh, that was real. It wasn't fabricated, it was authentic, and uh, it was consistently dis you know, talked about and a part of the brand's DNA, yeah. the company and the culture's DNA. Yeah, how did that, how did that get fostered from you know, Martin Keene to, to when you were there? It, it was really, um, it, it came about because the ownership um, put in place um, a Keene Effect team and made significant personal commitments and sacrifices well before the company could afford it. And then it just, it just, it had a life of its own. And so um, to see a team of people, even though a small team um, of three or four people make such an overwhelming impact and then to see not that it just, it, it completely energized the entire culture of the company. And at town hall meetings, at Friday Bagel Fridays, we called them, it, uh, it ignited. And then what was really fun was to see how in the Live Monumental tour, the effort to um, support the Obama administration and Sally Jewell's efforts as Secretary of Interior to achieve, uh, for many um, public lands to achieve monument status, um, that it, it completely ignited the following of the brand. It created brand value that we never even expected would occur that way. But there were several steps like that, and they continue to take steps like that, no different than Mir does in Rwanda or with the water projects and all the different projects that, that you're yeah. working on here at Mir. And, that, um, and how the employee community thrives on that. Absolutely. The, 
you have, like I said, a, a tremendous, uh, you've had a tremendous career and are still uh, having amazing impact in the nonprofit and for-profit world. What, what advice or knowledge would, do you want to impart onto the next generation of, of leaders, you know, even from the top to, to people who are leading a small team, people who are up there, you know, getting it done? What, what sort of advice do you hope people hold on to? I think that um, one, I'm, I'm pretty inspired and quite optimistic about the millennial generation. And I don't take all the stereotypical comments, same, you know, whether it's about a baby boomer or a millennial, I don't, I, don't, I, I take uh, into consideration some of the best and brightest leaders um, are millennials today. And I think that the idea of, um, that's ushered in today of um, building a strong commercial branded position with a great um, brand and creative platform that you just, you know, that that's very near and dear. And then combining that into um, what you do to give back, you, you can do great things as a brand commercially while giving back. And the two can work in an amazing harmony together. And I do think that that's, for me, that's where I want to purpose my time is around work like at Mir that can do both. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I do think that if that can create lasting change, which it, it will, that's right. it can, it will, uh, it takes a huge amount of effort and a huge amount of conviction uh, and a consistent flow of leadership um, over time to sustain that. So that's, I do think if I was going to say, if you can live your life that way, that's, that's a much better way than just showing up for a job, making a paycheck, trying to earn a profit and just sell more things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, we have, a, we have some fun questions at the end, uh, that we had asked, we ask uh, all of our guests and, um, Beck, Beck's usually better at this than I, but it's, uh, is it easier to go alone or together? Together. Why? You can suffer through it or you can celebrate through it better. Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, what is one belief that you hold that will never change? We're, uh, we're here for a purpose. Love it. You better live it. That's right. <laughs> you, you know, it's a slim slice of time we have you better live it isn't that isn't that funny I, you know i find myself when i when i feel like i'm so important my schedule so full and there's all this stuff going on all i have to do is just is look up at the galaxy and it sounds super cheesy but like looking at the milky way or the stars and you realize these things are billions of years old <laughs> and you're here for 90 years you know yeah <laughs> the context of life yeah and there's 7 billion people on the planet and you know so it's it's not that you're insignificant you, you know you're humble enough to know that you're really not anything in the span of time, but that you're unique enough that you should accomplish something in that time. Yeah, with what you've been <laughs> given, right? Totally, totally. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but uh, what's one activity you turn to when you need a reset or inspiration or just you know some mind space? Oh, it's simple. <laughs> um, if it's how many more, how many days did you get this year? <laughs> um, I'm near. I'll I'll approach a hundred plus days. I mean, again, I'm really fortunate that I can spend you know, a couple hours, three hours a day in the winter on skis and the, and then the uh, summer, fall and spring on a bicycle. 
or a hike and um and all those revolve around you can you can do it individually but i prefer to do it with with um Geely, with friends with your meerkats yeah. when they show up all 10 of us that was around. that fun? Yeah, oh, was man. great um amazing you know memory for all of us but i do think that um when you're celebrating in the um in the church of the outdoors yeah there's nothing better totally so that kind of falls up to this one but uh fill in the blank is calling and i must go what is your blank for john Muir was mountains is it wood river valley is it <laughs> my pur- my purpose is calling yeah i love that uh, so on, so as you know, the, this is called the empowerful podcast. So we, we, we seem to have, um, stumbled upon this word empowerful that we've made up and empowerful for us is this, this beautiful connection between empowering or just the simple word empower and then full. So, you know, beautiful, grateful, thankful. And so we're always curious in your words, how would, how would you might define the word empowerful, um, with, you know, what you've seen in your life and, and, and empo- the empowering work that you've done at Camber and, mm. and Keen and others. Yeah, I'd say empowerful means to me is when you get the biggest, I get the biggest stoke when I see a team of people all making it happen. And uh, and it's been mostly in business, right? But uh, I think that there's something about that when you just see people doing extraordinary things and just like me, they're an ordinary person and you go, wow, we just did that, right? And you, and you remember those moments. And there's, by the way, there's usually not dollars and cents attached to it it's a a sense of accomplishment and camaraderie combined love that love that and you've you've been able to embody that throughout throughout your career which has been um exciting to see and to witness and um i i just can't thank you enough for for stopping by our booth (laughs) oh (laughs) so years ago that was really great and uh, (laughs) um and uh yeah it's a real privilege a real pleasure brian to um be um a senior adult uh (laughs) in this mix of uh, really talented people. But uh, again, back to, you know, you started this thing, Mir, with a real purpose. And uh, that's that's a huge responsibility. I'm piling it back on the coals <laughs> on your lap now, but um, it's I think it's the responsibility of several uh, role models, mentors, partners, friends. And if you can do all that together in one package to help um, you as the CEO and leader, um, role model, mentor, partner, and fr- and build friendships through the way in which you build your business. Yeah. So my my work is to help fuel you and your leadership. And we're we're so grateful for that passion because you could be skiing 200 days a year. And, <laughs> uh, but you've, you've been, you've been so great at blending that uh, passion for the outdoors, the Wood River Valley, opening your home and, and mentoring us. And, and, and I, I really am uh, eternally grateful for all the wisdom that you provided us in the brand and, and for the outdoor industry. I mean, it's, it's been great. I think it's way more rewarding for Julie and I than it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's just a real pleasure. And, um, you know, I, anyone listening to this, I just trust that, um, when you look at and think about the brands that when you put them in your hand or put, you know, whatever you're doing with them in your time, which is precious time that you think about, you know, what's behind that brand, because I do think that's going to become more important in life choices on how we spend our money and time, uh, both, um, what we buy and how we experience things. And so that's what mirrors about. 
Heck yeah. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, perfect. Thanks, Steve. It's uh, been a pleasure to have this chat and hopefully uh, I'm sure all of our listeners will walk away with um, some inspiration and you know, continue to learn, continue to be open to change. Uh, so thanks for your wisdom and for being on the show. Yeah, real pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Brian. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you on the next episode.